0: Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Amen. Amen. My hope is that you have been enjoying worship with us this morning. The beauty of having these services online, wherever, and whenever you join us is actually you can go back. We've actually heard from friends, people on our team that have family members like, hey, I wanted to watch service this morning. They're like, just go back to like last week or the week before. That's the beauty of having these on record and on the interwebs. It's so great. So my hope this morning for you is to join with us as we walk through some passages of scripture. So I told you earlier on a Facebook Live video, turn to Philippians chapter 4 if you have one of those real Bibles that has like, uh, you know, pages in it, or if you have, like, a Bible app, that's a great place to turn as well, and go to Philippians chapter 4, just the first nine verses is what we're dealing with on a day like today. And when I read this passage over a week ago, I'm like, yes, this passage makes sense for the season and kind of the environment that we find ourselves in. But interestingly enough, this passage actually speaks to even our refuge team this morning, what we have been experiencing and kind of going through, just trying to get this service online. Now, it will be an amazing opportunity to welcome people back into this building. There will be seats for you. We will have social distancing in place, but we want you to come and join us next Sunday, October 18th, where we begin the final 10 Sundays of our gatherings for 2020. Because it's interesting to think about, we did the first 10 Sundays in January. February, and the first couple weeks of March, and we want to end the year together in gatherings like this in this place and in this space, because 308 South Glassell Street is not just an address that people notice. It has been a place that has been dedicated to God for decades, and Refuge, as we moved into this place in January, gets to kind of keep that legacy going. There are places where God meets his people that we want to remember, and we want to also kind of call out for our community today that God is not dead. The building that we meet in might be old or older or like Orange likes to say, it's like it's got historical value, but it's not just historical value for what happened so long ago. It's also got value for what God's up to even today, and so we can't wait to have you back in this place. So are you ready? Let's jump right into Philippians chapter 4 verses 1 through 9. So let's read together. The words will be on the screen in front of you, and here is where we're at this morning. Paul is writing. How about that? So the Apostle Paul, one of the guys in the New Testament who writes probably some of the most amounts of scripture, he's writing to his friends in a a city called Philippi. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia, and I plead with Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the God of peace, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Now, if you're like me and you walk through passage of Scripture like that, there's a lot of uh, a lot of one-liners that we love, and probably some one-liners in there that you have held to at certain times. This concept of God of peace, right, which is a resounding theme in the writings of the Apostle Paul. He talks about this God of peace and the desire for peace to come. And when he talks about peace that passes or transcends our understanding, it's the kind of peace that we need when things are at their worst, right? Rarely do we ask for peace to show up when things are just jolly and great. Yes, I use the word jolly. Rarely do we need peace when things are just going fine, when things are humming along, when we got enough money in the bank account to pay all the bills, when all of our relationships are doing fine. We need peace, though, when things are in disarray. We need peace when I'm not getting along with my neighbor, I'm not getting along with the family member in my house, I'm not getting along with my co-worker, I need peace when I sense that out there in culture things aren't well, and you're like, oh yeah, 2020, that's it, but what is it that Paul's getting at, and so so for some of us, when we read passages of scripture, the instant thing that we do is we pick it up and we place it on our current situation but that does a disservice to what happened so long ago. And so we need to make sense of the land that's there. So if you have your Bible passage still available on your phone or that book that you're holding, and you can see the layout of even these first nine verses, we get a sense in terms of how Paul is writing. And I need to lay the setting for you if I can. Now, Paul is talking to his favorite church, right? If we know anything about the Apostle Paul, we learn stories about him, going from town to town, city to city, all across the Roman Empire and starting new churches because he's so compelled by the gospel of Jesus Christ that he wants to get the word out. He wants to tell people about the good news of Jesus. And in all these places that he goes, he begins a new work and he begins a new church And from there, they just kind of sometimes flourish, and sometimes they don't. And sometimes he needs to write them back. And we find this moment where Paul has already started this church in the city of Philippi, which makes sense. If you know anything about the city of Orange in Orange County, it almost would be like a Philippi because it kind of sits up a little bit of elevation but would look down towards the sea. And there are good days here in Orange County where if if the, uh, the heavens and the sky is clear, you can see out to the Pacific Ocean. This is what the setting would be for the city of Philippi. They sat on that hillside and looked down into the Aegean Sea, which is a part of the Mediterranean Sea, right there on that portion of Greece. And if you get your geography in mind, this is the place where Paul stopped And he started this church, and he loves this church. All right, So that's the physical geography setting. But what's the setting of why Paul is writing them? Is he just writing them because he's wondering like, hey, I love you guys, and I miss you? Yes, but he's also writing them from prison. This is one of those letters that we get in the New Testament where Paul is writing from prison. Imagine yourself being in prison and writing to people that you love. And sometimes we hear stories about prisoners today, and all they want is to have connection with the outside. And the same would be for true for Paul because he's writing these letters at a time where he's got lots of time on his hands. He's stuck behind bars or whatever the situation would have been for them in that first century context. And he's writing to these people that he loves so dearly and so much. And he wants to convey something to them. And he's hoping that they get what he has been talking about all along. This idea of following Jesus is more than just, hey, I'm going to check the box that I'm a Christian and everybody around me knows that. If I can be real blunt... The, the issue that Paul is dealing with is, what's the point of being a Christian? Am I just doing this so that I can get the right voter information for what's going to happen on November 3rd? Is that the only reason I'm a Christian? Am I going to become a Christian and actually have it change my life and everything about me? And he mentions these two ladies and they're fighting. Somehow there's a disagreement, and we don't know what it is. I was talking to a member of our refuge team a couple of weeks ago about this idea. When we get we drop into these letters that Paul is writing, it's almost like overhearing or listening into that conversation with a person on the phone. Have you ever done it? Or you're at the table, and they're talking on the phone, and you're trying to figure out, well, what's the other person saying on the other end of the line? Am I the only one that tries to eavesdrop on these questions? I know I'm not. Like, Come on, you know what you're doing. You're trying to listen in and be like, I wonder if I could figure out what they're talking about. And this is what we get when we talk about or read the words of Paul. We're like, what is it that he was trying to get at when he talks to Euodia and Syntyche? And you're right, they're weird names. And no, you're probably not gonna name your children these names. But these are two women that were dear to him and the mission of the gospel to get the word of Jesus out there. And right now, they're in disagreement. And he's calling them. Calling them to figure it out. Calling them to work their issues out. Have you ever been around people? Ever been around people who are in disagreement? I feel like like it's debate season right now. Whether it's debating between presidential candidates, debating between the social issues of our day, debating about this pandemic we find ourselves in. Am I a masked person? Am I not a masked person? Right? And we have pegged people, and I talked about this weeks ago, how we put people in these boxes, and this is the season that we're finding ourselves in. We're like, I don't even know what Euodia and Sensiki were talking about, but I know what I'm dealing with. And if he is challenging the people 2,000 years ago, when, his, when he was originally writing this to work their issues out, what is he trying to call out within me? And so he, he pleads with them, would you be the kind of people, would you be the kind of people that get over yourselves and actually find peace? And he goes on, as he continues to write, these concepts of do not worry. Now, I love that phrase, I love the sense of do not worry, because if you are around me, you are talking to me in, in kind of deep ways, you would understand that there's lots to be worried about. I don't know what you faced this morning. I don't know what's on your plate for this week. I'm not sure the pressures that you find yourself in. And this is not just scripture talkers or like pastors speak. Every single one of us has worries, and I guarantee you there are worries that every single one of us face that we're not willing to talk about in public. What are you going through this week, what's the challenge before you? Is there a financial situation that you're facing you don't know how you get out of it? Is there a relationship that has gone south and you're trying to figure out, will I be able to mend this at all? Is there a diagnosis that has come your way that you're not sharing with other people because you are not sure how you can deal with this? Or is it something else? Is there something in your life that you're like, I pick up the pieces of worry so easy and it weighs me down? And constantly Paul is asking for them to have perspective. Would you share that with your Lord? Would you share that with God? Would you even invite him into it? And there's this passage that he says when he's writing here in Philippians Where he goes, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but would you present them before God? And sometimes we're tempted like, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure if I can share with God every single detail. And I want to give you, here's my one liner for the day. If it matters to you, it matters to God. Would you take that home, put that inside your soul, and actually understand what it is that Paul is challenging us with us this morning, that if it matters to me and if it matters to you, I guarantee you it matters to God. This is like every parent and their kid. If it matters to the kid, it matters to the parent because the parent cares. The parent wants at least any parent worth their salt. And sometimes we get it right as parents, sometimes we don't. But there's a heavenly father that we have that we plead with, And then Paul has the nerve to say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. That's even like a song from the 80s and 90s that churches used to sing a lot. And if you know what I'm talking about, you can probably hum it to yourself even in this moment. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And sometimes I want to say to Paul, please stop. Please stop giving me the fake answer to everything because that's the temptation as Christians is to believe that if I am a Christian and if I check that box that I'm supposed to be happy all the time. And right now I don't feel happy, but I'm supposed to smile. Everything's fine, isn't it? Like that's what we, we think we're supposed to do. There's another phrase out there. We're supposed to fake it till we make it. I'm, just put to, I'm supposed to put on this, this show or this air that I'm fine and I need to smile through everything. That is a difference to what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about something on a whole different scale. He's not just trying to, hey, fake it. Don't fake your happiness in life because there are definitely circumstances and situations that we go through that should cause us the opposite, should cause us to be pained. There are things that we experience, so Like I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. But when he says rejoice in the Lord, is he asking for us just to put on the happy, happy face? Like the fake Christian moment? Heck no. And I want to be able to put an exclamation on that. Heck no. God is asking for more from us. That instead of just saying, hey, I'm going to fake it through this experience, I am going to find joy in the midst of this because I have trust in who God is and how he is working In my life. That's the rejoice in the Lord moment. And joy comes not with the circumstances that are around me, but with the confidence on the one that I worship. And if I have the ability to worship him this week, then I have the ability to rejoice in him. And it doesn't mean my life is going great. There's a temptation to believe the lie out there that I have to get myself together before I can actually deal with God. And God is saying, would you please just come as you are? Because I would love that more than anything else. And the same is true for what Paul is is exclaiming to his people there in Philippi. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't care what you're going through. Rejoice in the Lord. And it doesn't mean be fake. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Because deep down in the deep places, we know that God is still alive. We know that God is still moving. We know that God is on the throne. And as he continues, he, he presents this final plea. Finally, brothers and sisters... Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This doesn't happen on Facebook all the time. Because Facebook and the, and the news that we find ourselves in and the things that we read around us would love to tell you that it's a doomsday scenario. I don't know what industry you're in. I don't know if things are good right now or if they're bad right now. But the temptation is to believe the lie out there that everything is going wrong. And again, I'm not just saying, hey, let's just believe a, a pie-in-the-sky mentality. They're like, oh, I can't wait. This is going great right now. That's not it. But what I change my attitude, when I change my perspective, and would I look up a little bit more? I'm caught by that storyline. From a book, the book of Psalms, there's a Psalm 121 That's how, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, and I need to look up and see Him. A couple of weeks ago, I went on a trip with my brother. He turned a magical bigger number. Um, and so we went on this trip. We had planned months ago to go on a trip and go to Yosemite. We were going to climb Half Dome because we thought that even in this stage of life, we could do it. And so we joined in with these group of guys that were going to go. We prepared. We planned. We got a place to stay. And if you know anything about California, there's some fires right now. And it's actually causing some great destruction in our state all over the place. And because of the smoke, access to the valley of Yosemite, if you know this place, was not possible. And so our group had to make a decision, would we still go or not? We couldn't get in. What are we going to do? Some people decided, hey, we're going to go to the river. But a small select group, just three of us, decided we're still going to go for nature. And so we decided, let's just drive to Utah. So we drove to Utah, and we wanted to be by Zion National Park. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't been, add it to your list for this year or next year. You've got to go see it. It's one of the most beautiful places on earth. And you are struck by sheer beauty on how God created things. But you get to Zion, there's one thing that so many people always want to do, and not everybody does it. It's called hike the narrows. And the Narrows is this slot canyon where, as you're walking through it, you see the sheer faces of the rock cliff that are right above you on each side. And you're walking through this canyon and you're just amazed by God's beauty. And I went with my brother and Pastor Sean, just the three of us, we're going. And we prepared. We prepared as much as we can. We got our backpack with our, like, hydro, you know, our water um, straw. We've got our snacks for the day. We've put our shoes on that we don't care if they get wet because you're going to be walking through the river that goes through this slot canyon. It's known as the Virgin River. And uh, we had our sticks. And we did this hike, and it was at least eight miles total, four miles up, four miles back. And by the end of the day, not only was it grueling and beautiful, and I've got pictures to show, but when I got back to the shuttle to take that ride back to our car, which felt like freedom and beauty, and it felt so good to sit, I noticed that my shoulders hurt. why, Why was I so tight right here? And you're like, well, how heavy was the backpack? Well, it wasn't that heavy, and I've carried a backpack before. I'm not a novice at this. I was tired because I had these poles, which were trying to Kind of keep me balanced. But interestingly enough, I held my head down pretty much the whole time as I'm walking. Because when you walk through the narrows in Zion, it's not just walking a riverbed that's nice and easy. You're walking a riverbed that has all kinds of rocks of different shapes and sizes. You can trip if you're not looking down. And I had this concept, I wonder how often in my life that I always just look down for the next step and I don't see what's around me. And for me, I easily go to the problems right before me, and I rarely look up to see the beauty of what's around. Have you ever been in this moment? It's like giving the keys to a 16-year-old who just got their license, and you're telling them, make sure that you just stay on the correct side of the yellow line. But if they only look at the yellow line, they're not going to look beyond and see the distance beyond them. This is the hike in the narrows where, yes, I need to be aware of every step that I take and and all the different nooks and crannies of this rock bed on this riverbed that we're walking. But I also at times need to look up. Yes, I need to take the picture and the sheer beauty and prove to you that I did this, right? And if you've hiked the narrows, let's compare where you stopped because I feel like I might have gone further. I don't know, I'm just saying that. But where did you go on this hike, Brenton? And for me, it's like I got to this place where we wanted to kind of end and we figured it out, but I was so sore and I was so tired because I had constantly been looking down. And I wonder if the soreness of my life, the soreness in my soul, the soreness in what's happening to me is because I'm constantly figuring out or just paying attention to what's right before me. And when I can only see what's right before me, then I lose the perspective that Paul is inviting me into. Paul is saying, would you think about things that are greater than this? Would you think about things that give you a perspective to look up and to see God and his presence? And this peace that comes, this peace that comes when it passes our understanding and we trust yet again that God is up to something. He ends with this fascinating challenge. If you look at verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And we like that little bow on the end. We're like, yeah, 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 I want the God of peace. That's what I want right now. I want the God of peace. Like I got to pray the right prayer and he gives it to me. But Paul puts this challenge out there to his readers in Philippi. And I would even wager that he's putting the challenge out to you and to me that if I want to live and experience the peace that he's talking about, the peace that passes our understanding, then apparently I need to take heart with what he has said this morning. I need to be concerned about my brothers and sisters. I don't know a Euodia or a Syntyche, but I know my neighbors, I know my family members, I know the people that I work with, I know even strangers that I come in contact with, and I want to bring the kind of peace and goodwill and gentleness that Paul talks about. Then I'll experience the peace but I also don't want to be so struck with the worries of my life that I can't possibly experience what God has for me because that's when I'm only focused on the worries right before me and I lack the ability to look up and see what God is doing. How can I possibly experience God's peace if I'm not willing to rejoice in the fact that I trust God regardless of my changing circumstances? Have you been sucker punched this year? 2020 just seems to be that kind of year for every single one of us. But do we have the ability and the concept to be able to rejoice in the Lord always? That's when peace begins to reign in our hearts. Because I can see the bigness of God and what he's doing all around me. When I put into practice what Paul has said, then I get to experience the peace that he talks about. And that is my hope and my prayer for you this week. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's going before you this week or into this season. If there is something that Refuge can do, we would love for you to let us know. On that connection card that even Isabella and Sean talked about earlier, there's a place that you can put a prayer request. Heck, if you want to text me, I would love to pray with you. 714-356-1329. And I would love to pray with you, to stand with you about what you are going through. Because I want to remind you that God is on the move. I want to remind you that regardless of who wins the presidency in November, God is on the move. God will not win or lose on election day. God always wins. We may not always see it, but he's asking for us. He's pleading with us to be the type of community like Philippi that we would bring his kingdom to fruition, that we would allow people to see the goodness that we have because we've been struck with the message of Jesus and his cross. We get to be the ones who remind them that today, even though it's bad around us, we can still rejoice. And the worries that we carry, we can trust God with every single one of them. If it matters to me and if it matters to you, then it matters to God. Let us present everything before God and to see the peace that will come with it. Would you pray with me as we end our service this morning? God, thank you for this opportunity to worship you today, to open up your scriptures and to trust you yet again with our stories and our lives and all that is before us. God, we're grateful even for the opportunity that we have to take this service online and connect with people all over the place. The technical difficulties that we experienced is one more opportunity for us to find peace in the midst of something that is not peaceful. To find joy where seemingly there is no joy. But we have joy because you are on the throne. We have joy because you are in charge. We have joy because your kingdom is coming. And we want to show you off to the world around us. Would you go with us today and into this week? Would we be people like the people of Philippi, bringing goodwill and goodness wherever we go? And gentleness, help us to resemble you well this week. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Our hope is for you this week here at Refuge that you have an awareness of God's presence, that you would see him wherever you're at, whether at work or at school or at play. Be on the lookout for the king and his kingdom. And we'll see you next week here at Refuge. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.